Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Hey, buddy, how you doing? I am doing fantastic. Uh, Great uh, summer day here in Colorado. We are definitely enjoying, you know, the winters here are cold, but we enjoy it when the <laughs> spring and summer happens. So. Yeah, but after living in Florida, I will have to say when it hot here is like, you know, 78 degrees is <laughs> hot here. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah, nice. Absolutely. Beautiful place. Well, today we just want to jump right into the topic. And, you know, this could be a little bit, of, sound like a little bit of a heavy topic, but I don't really think it is. Uh, because, for one, it's directly related to something Jesus told us mm-hmm. and modeled for us. Yeah. So today we want to talk about poverty and what does it mean to remember the poor? No, I think that this is something – it really affects all of us because, listen, anybody who is a believer that carries the love of Jesus, like you're going to be concerned about not just physically poor, spiritually poor – I mean, I think that's the heart of Jesus. It actually says, God has called me to feed the poor yep. and to encourage. And, to, you know, so th- those are things that Jesus was called to. And if you follow Jesus, those are going to be things that we're called to. How we navigate through that as a believer, I think that that's what we're talking about today. Absolutely. And we, maybe just to start off with, we also want to make it clear, this is not a political issue. No, not at all. Yeah. You know, this is a kingdom issue. Yeah. You know, you'll you'll hear sometimes I actually think po- political parties will kind of try to use the poor, you know, and it's just yep. another form of exploitation. Sure. You know, and when Jesus was giving testimony to his Messiahship, mm-hmm. one of the things he said was the poor have the gospel preached yeah. to them. And his point was in every society, the poor are marginalized. Sure. But the sign of the fact that the Messiah has come is that no, we're there. No group is marginalized. A- absolutely, and just as a you know little, you know, just to let everybody know going into it at World Challenge, we don't really get into politics. So like at all. Now we all have our political opinions. I have strong political opinions. Uh, very rarely do does that really come out because we're a preaching the gospel organization. However, when you start to talk on certain issues, uh, and there are many of them, people think that you're being political when you're really talking about kingdom of God issues. Those issues just happen to be in the political world. They 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 become highlighted. So then people attach you as being political. Where, like, to me, abortion is not a political issue. Right. It, I think it's a spiritual issue. Sure. But when you talk about it, people will take it as though you're talking politically. Same way with the poor. Absolutely. And um, so just jumping right in, mm-hmm. you know, one of the reasons, you know, we, we've already said the reason we're, we're concerned for the poor is because it comes straight from Scripture. Yes. You know, uh, one of the indictments throughout the prophets Mm-hmm. When the prophets are, you know, just really critiquing the society yep. and especially the leaders of the society, one of the things he constantly says about them is that they were exploiting the poor. Yeah. And, and, and or then, not caring for the poor. Well, and then, yes. So they were exploiting the poor. They were actually getting, they were getting rich yep. on the back of the poor. Yep. They weren't concerned for the poor. And then we see that when, one sign. So when they talk about, and when repentance comes, mm-hmm. 
one sign of repentance was that their attitude toward the poor changed. Yeah, and it is consistent all through the Bible, and those become issues even in the law. Uh, there's things written into the law about Absolutely. how you care for the poor, yep. how you look after the poor. And so this is a, it's a kingdom of God issue. It's a spiritual issue. And it's something as believers that we need to pay attention to. Uh, but I think some people will say, I don't know if you've heard this. Well, the church should be about feeding the poor because Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, yes, he did feed the 5,000, 5, and he does teach us to uh, feed and help the poor. However, the mandate of the church is far greater than just just feeding people who are poor. We have a greater mandate. And so feeding the poor or interacting with people who have spiritual or physical needs should be a step of a spiritual process of bringing people to Christ and helping them to grow in Christ. So when you look at it in those terms, it's more than just handing a piece of bread to someone in need. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I would say yes and. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You know, because, you know, Probably the of the epistles, the mm -hmm. first epistle is probably the, you know, dated is probably the book of James. Absolutely. Yep. And, you know, what is that? You know, James is makes it very clear. You know, we talk about works, mm -hmm. you know, that give testimony to the fact that we're saved. One of the things he says is, you know, he, he makes very clear, you know, this is a sign, you know, that about feeding the poor, taking care yes. of the poor. You know, it, basically he says a person who doesn't you know who whose stomach is empty can't hear what you're having to say right you know so um and as you've said this is an old testament and a new testament issue yes. mm -hmm. in acts 15 we have the what's called the jerusalem council mm -hmm. you know paul has shown up in jerusalem he is testifying to his the gospel he's been preaching, mm -hmm. he's laying it out before the apostles to let them judge whether or not he is right theologically. Mm -hmm. um, we get some things after that about go and do this, you know, be sure to teach this, this, this. When we get over to Galatians chapter one, Paul's talking about that experience in Jerusalem where the Jerusalem council happens. And it's for this, for me, this is so important. And it's where this phrase comes from that we're talking about today. He says that I presented the gospel, they validated it, they validated my message, they validated my approach. The one thing they said to me was Don't forget to Don't the forget poor. the poor. Yes. Remember the poor. And then of course Paul says, the very thing I was eager to do. So I don't yeah. think we can separate ministry to the poor with from the gospel. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, I, I think both of those are completely consistent. Yeah, because you know, it, it I think the reason the apostles saw, you know, they were speaking so strongly to Paul about that is they saw that in the life of Jesus, mm -hmm. you know. And so now, you know, we'd be the first to acknowledge that there's different kinds of poverty. Yes. You know, and so we'll talk about that maybe in a, a little bit. But, you know, one of the things I love about World Challenge is we've been involved with the poor since the very beginning. Yes. You know, when David Wilkerson went to the streets of New York, the gang members were, they were from poor families and they were living in poverty. Well, and, and living with addictions and sure. difficulties. And I, I think if you remember the Time magazine, you know, these are unreachable, Absolutely. unfixable people. Yep. And then, you know, David Wilkerson looked at that as like, no, God can do this. And he went and proved that no matter how desperate the situation, that when the gospel's inserted, 
that the gospel always makes a difference. It does. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that there is an, an, a natural or a supernatural upward lift to the gospel. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody gets saved and all of a sudden they stop drinking. They stop doing all the things. They stop wasting their money mm-hmm. in sinful pursuits. And all of a sudden they have more money. They, You know, you see this natural lift of the gospel. But we still take we, we still are concerned about the poor who haven't come to Christ right. yet. You know, uh, we saw this in David Wilkerson's ministry. We see, you know, Gary has carried that on in the heart yep. of World Challenge. Uh, as my work in the missions department, we're very engaged yep. uh, with the poor in international context. And so, um, you know, I, I think maybe I'm not trying to be an advertisement for World Challenge, <laughs> but— but I think it is an example mm-hmm. of how a gospel-centered ministry, because anybody who knows us at World Challenge know we're sure. all about the gospel. Yes. But we're about a complete gospel. Yeah, and I think that that's the important thing that has to be highlighted. Um, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000 people, and is it the next day that they were ready to kill him, and they all walk away from him? And, you know, and it literally says the entire multitude. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes we highlight, you know, this thing, well, if you feed people, you know, then they'll follow Jesus. And that's not necessarily true. I think that feeding people is important. But if you don't mix something, some of the message with what you're feeding or helping someone with, and you're helping them to grow beyond, I think Jesus said it, we, all you want is food for your bellies. Yeah, absolutely. But he wanted to give them a kingdom. Right. He wanted to, yes, put fee- food in your bellies, but he wanted to teach them how to live and how to walk and how to be different and how, you know, to believe God to meet their every need. And so I think that when you mix those two together, it's yes, you're giving people a hand up, you're helping people. But if you're not teaching them to walk out of the the mentality of poverty, then I, I think that all you're doing is feeding somebody. I think that we need to mix it with more than that. Well, when we go into a community overseas, you know, a lot of times we'll go in because mm-hmm. we say that World Challenge Missions, our sweet spot is where material poverty and spiritual poverty overlap. Yep. So when we go into a community, and sometimes these are believers that we've that are already there, or sometimes they're not even believers yet because mm-hmm. that's why we're there. You know, we'll ask them, what's your biggest need? Inevitably, they'll always say, well, we're poor. Right. You know, we need money, mm-hmm. you know, and, our, and, and and we we do this in a delicate way. We do this through mentoring and training and everything. But, you know, we'll ask. So if we gave you money, mm-hmm. how much money would it take to fix this problem? <laughs> and then, the, you know, they'll they'll answer a question and they'll go. And then what do you do when the money's gone? Yep. You're poor again. You know, and, and we try to we're trying to help them understand that. For one, our coming in and giving them money is not the solution. Yeah. You know, now, obviously, if if people are starving, they can't hear what we're saying if they're starving. And we do help in relief areas and things like that. You yeah. Know, occasionally you... Yeah. And, and that in regards to that area, you know, there was a study that was done here in America and they took homeless people, no money. And they gave them $100,000. I don't know if you've ever seen this study, Mm-mm. but there was like 25 people that they did I'm just that thinking, with. I wish I was homeless. At I, that know. <laughs> I know. You know, it's quite a bit of money. So then they tracked the 25 people and literally all but one of them within two years was right back on the same streets. Wow. All the money was gone. 
they had burned it on this and on that, and they're right back into the same place. Uh-huh. Which, which is, I think that this is the the thing that we're we're talking about. It's different to hey, if you go to places in Uganda and people make a dollar a day and they don't have food. We're, we're talking about a little bit different situation, but um, for m- a lot of the world, poverty is not just I don't have enough resources. Poverty is the way you think and the way you behave. And so this is what you're talking about with World Challenge Missions. We try to go, yes, we can help provide for you, but as we do this, we want to change the way you think about your poverty and uplift people so they start to believe God and provide for themselves, which is the healthiest way to help people grow. Yeah, because otherwise they go right back into poverty the moment we leave. And this is one of the biggest you know, challenges, honestly, mm-hmm. for a, the way missions is done in a lot of places. Yep. You know, it's go in, short-term involvement, meet a need, leave. But the problem is the moment they're gone, the needs just reappears. Yeah, we've both been involved with missions for a lot of years. And so, and and to apply this to our everyday life, even in America, there was a day, uh, you know, I would drive by on the interstate and somebody's holding the sign, I need money. I, I would very rarely give cash, but most of the time I would go and buy food or, you know, something to drink. And then I would, you know, drive back around and, hey, just wanted to help you out. Like, you know, most of the time when I would do that, people would be like, hey, get, get that out of here. You're killing me because you're killing my business. Yeah. Because, you know, again, and I think that we I think most of us have conditioned ourselves to the place of going, hey, a lot of the people that are saying that they're poor, they're, it's, it, it can become a racket. And then you're then you're feeding into something that's really not healthy. Not because I don't have the two dollars to put into the bucket, but am I really helping that person, or am I helping them to grow? And I think that becomes maybe the the part that we have to navigate through in this discussion. Absolutely. When it, we lived overseas, we in one of our places we lived, we lived in a very poor context, mm-hmm. a city of twenty five million people. You know, when anytime you have that kind of population, you're going to have a huge, the overwhelming majority of people are going to be poor yeah, and very poor. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of those contexts, you have begging as yes. a profession and it's another form of human exploitation. So, you know, they literally are trafficking children yeah. where they'll, you know, get these kids, put them out on the street. You know, they, they look pitiful. They are pitiful, but they don't keep the money. You know, and so, you know, early on, we learned that if you give to this, you're actually perpetuating a broken system that's really got even crime attached to it. But there was something inside of me that I felt was spirit prompted that said, yes, that's that is true. But maybe there is something you could do. Yeah, And I remember one day, you know, Amy and I thinking about this and praying about this, and we felt very led, and this became our model, that whenever we would go out like this, we knew we were going to be in areas where there were lots of beggars, and most of them were children, we would buy local fruit that was very cheap in the market. It was in season, so we could buy an abundance of it, and we'd just take a big bag of fruit with us. And whenever someone would come up to the car— and ask for money, we just give them a piece of fruit. And unlike the guy you were talking about here in America, <laughs> I mean, sometimes it was scary because these kids would like literally sit down in the middle of traffic 
and in this kind of context, traffic is, you know, yeah. there are no lanes. It's, just, you know, it's wild. They'd sit down in the middle of the street and start eating because they were so hungry. The point being is that a couple of things. One, I, I think God can give us creative ways yes. of engaging with mm-hmm. the poor. The second part of that is sometimes I find that, it, like in that case, mm-hmm. my giving was more important for my heart yeah. than what I was actually doing for that child. Yeah. For me, the greatest way to combat greed is through giving. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's two sides of the same coin here. We want to help people, but we also want to help our own hearts, by the way, you know, and our approach to the poor. Yeah, it helps, it helps us to feel better when we give. And it should. <laughs> I think you've highlighted Jesus fed the poor we should feed the poor. You know, probably the context that I come from is you want to make sure that you're not just feeding in to unhealthy behavior. How many times I had a um, stepsister uh, whose husband, I mean, just very wealthy Hmm. and uh, they had a business. So, you know, she would go by and just say, Hey, tomorrow you want a job, go to that building right there and we'll start you tomorrow $20 an hour. And she said they, they show wouldn't up. show up. Mm. So that I think that that becomes a little bit of what we're, you know, uh, you know, we we would have people at the church. Uh, you know, I pastored the church, and we had a food bank, and we would help people. But the first time people would come through, we would kind of listen to the need, and we would help them. But anybody that came a second time, it always came with, okay, now now this is this can't become habitual. Not because we didn't want to give out the money, but because I would say to our outreach team. We need to help these people grow. Sure. So is this an income and expense? How are they spending their money? How do we fix it? They need a job. So trying to go to some of the roots of why poverty exists. Um, and and those are different um, parts of the world. Sure. So where, you know, what you're dealing with and, you know, in the context of the 25 million people that you, you know, you, you were living with. Their needs would be different than America, but a lot of us deal in this society, so we're having to navigate through. But it, absolutely, I think the best thing that we can do is not just give for our own uh, appeasement, oh, but we're really helping people to grow through. Yeah, actually, what I was referring to earlier was really wasn't to make me feel good. Yeah, it was the opposite. It was to by giving, I was crucifying greed. Yeah, in my own life, yeah. you know. Uh, so I have a question for you. Maybe a bit of an odd question. Okay. But why is it you think that some Christians slash churches struggle with the idea of helping the poor? I think that sometimes we have this fear that people will take advantage of of of, of help. And so uh, some of this has been fed. And we talked about politics before, but it has been fed through like, you know, well, people are poor just because, you know, they want to take advantage and they're lazy and they don't want to work. And I and and there's some truth to that. There are places sure. and people, especially in America, because there's opportunities, and and we go, hey, if if you're not succeeding, it's because you're just not trying. I think the part that we have to understand is yes, um, poverty for the most part is a mentality, but that's why Jesus came was to change the way we think and how we behave. And so when the church just withdraws itself from poor people, and then we just become the suburban people that are the tithe payers, and we're not really engaging with people who are needy or people who are poor, I think that we're missing a great a greater blessing 
that could be to us and to them, which is to help them understand how the kingdom works. I want to say it's even in, was it in the epistles where it says, if a man doesn't work, then he shouldn't eat. eat. And you're going, okay, well, let's, uh, you know, let's logically find out where where do we say, hey, you got to work so you can eat. And then another place where we go, hey, this is more than just work initially. We have to help them to give them a hand up, but then we want to start teaching them how to work to be successful that's how you really, in my opinion, solve true poverty. I, I agree. And I think one of the pieces that you in, in probably intentionally but weren't specific about there is, but every one of your stories is all of the solutions were community-based. Yes. You know, you talked about the church, mm-hmm. the, you know, the people speaking into their lives, all that. That's that's even how we know the nature of the poverty, yep. you know, so the best way of solving and helping people with poverty isn't, you know, by the the one off, yes. you know, the one it's, it's getting in their lives, helping them in a previous episode, we talked about mentoring, yeah. maybe mentoring them in life decisions. Some of them have never had an, anybody tell them how to even use money. Yeah. They have no clue. And so helping them grow through that can be a, one way of helping to solve poverty. Yeah, this is such a good subject. And I, and and we probably have mixed a little bit when it comes to helping poor people that are in places where they make $20 a month is much different than than America. But one thing I, I would say, um, uh, probably about 25, 30 years ago, it feels like the church, when it came to inner city uh, places— withdrew ourselves. Yeah. A lot of the church went to the suburbs. That's where money's at. That's where yep. people that have resources. And we withdrew maybe out of fear, maybe because the culture is different. And what, what happened was thinking that now we'll just protect ourselves in the suburbs. But today, the drugs, the crime, all of the things that were happening in the inner city, <laughs> in the suburbs. now it's in the suburbs. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is what, hey, as a pastor, I preached and taught on this, but we and we, and we did a lot of outreach in our church. But my thing was this, some of those inner city neighborhoods have become breeding grounds for, for criminals and people that are going to wind up in jail, which really, yes, for the gospel is partly, but it also is a, it's a, it's a real drag on um, you know, the economy and you're going, Hey, somewhere here, we have to make a difference. And what we have done as a culture is we keep throwing billions and billions of dollars thinking that we're going to solve the crime and the poverty in, in, in difficult areas. And the truth of it is it's the gospel. So when churches and leaders start to connect in inner city areas yeah. and disciple and help people to grow, that really is the key that will that will begin to turn the engine. It doesn't mean that we don't need to help people with housing or food. I think that as a culture, we need to do that. It just has to be more than that. Otherwise, we're just throwing money into a black hole. Yeah. There was a context in Latin America where, you know, there was there was something for a f- several decades in Latin America that was known as liberation theology. Yep. They used to talk about you weren't really free until you were economically free and racially free and all these other things. And a lot of emphasis on poverty, you know, and particularly ideas of like systemic poverty. But a few years ago, I heard a scholarly paper that came out that basically some of these entities said, you know, we talked about poverty. Mm -hmm. It was the Latin American Pentecostals who actually fixed poverty. Yeah. 
What a know. great testimony that is for the church as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Because, you know, these weren't people who were looking for the government to solve the society's problems. They just were there. And they were like, we're going to help our neighbors. Yeah. You know, and so um, I, I, I think it's just we're, we're seeing in, in our discussions that even though poverty in different contexts requires different nuance, it we still have ways of that we can creatively engage mm-hmm. with the poor in a way that honors Jesus. Well, and something that needs to be said is whether you say it's a third world context and you go, here's people that don't have opportunities and how do we fix that? And our listen, the way that we work, I'm saying it to you, you're the missions director, mm-hmm. so you very well know this, but the way that we fix that poverty isn't even by like, hey, we're just going to back up the food truck. We want to go, we want to help you uh, to teach you how to grow the fish, how to uh, provide for yourselves, how to do the development so that we solve long-term poverty. And we do that in the third in the third world. But whether it's, it's that ideology in the third world or whether it's discipleship in America, the one thing that I think we have to say here today as the church is that the church cannot remove itself yep. from people who deal with poverty. Maybe there's you know better ways to do it, worse ways to do it, but it is a command of Jesus. Yep. It is the heart of Jesus that we engage with people who face not just spiritual poverty, but physical poverty and really help to solve the issues. So to withdraw from it because there's something that's happening that we don't agree with is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, there's a, I remember hearing a, a pastor from part of the world you used to live in mm-hmm. who was talking about one time talking, having a conversation with David Wilkerson and and asking him, you know, about something about growing his church and whatever. And and Brother Wilkerson's re- answer to him was, "You need to feed the poor." And but he he said, I, "I'm in Europe. <laughs> you know, we have like the some of the strongest social systems there are." So his response was, "We don't really have poor people." <laughs> and he said, David Wilkerson's response to him is, "You mean you don't have any alcoholics in your community who are drinking up all the money?" that's coming into their family and leaving their wives and their kids with no food. And he goes, oh, well, yeah, we do have that. And he goes, then you have the poor. Well, and I was, and you know, I, I was a missionary in Western Europe. Right. And I can tell you for sure, the social system is amazing. And yet, you know what? Some of the most difficult uh, cases that you could, you could imagine are right there in Western Europe. So with all of the plans of governments and, you know, uh, and men, uh, it still does not fix the mentality. And that, I think, is the the crucial thing when we talk about poverty is, yes, meeting the need. I'm not saying don't don't give the bread, you know, don't, you know, don't give the piece of fruit. Sure. Yes, we do all of that. But if you can't mix that with some heart and mind change, all you do is you feed a person for a yeah, day. Absolutely. And we want them to grow through that. Absolutely. Uh, I'd like to recommend a couple of resources books if people are interested in this area, particularly some of this relates to how we do missions, Yep, uh, you know, in World Challenge. Uh, the first is a heart book. It's about our heart. Mm-hmm. And that's Ronald Sidens, Sider, S-I-D-E-R, yep. his book, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. Wow. It's a book that will really impact your heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And then the other one is more of a practical sort of like how-to book. And it's written by a guy named Brian Fickert, Mm F-I-K-K-E-R-T, and it's called When Helping Hurts. Yeah. One of the great books— I think in missions and helping people, I think that's a great. Yeah, Absolutely. Great and it's color. it's a great book in helping you kind of the, apply the practical. So we got the heart to help the poor, but then this is a way of the practicalities of how do we do that mm-hmm. in a way that actually lifts them up instead of making them dependent on us. Yeah. And I would encourage too, if you're listening today, we don't do a lot of this on this podcast, but I will throw this out. Go to worldchallenge.org. And what Mark and his team does with helping people that are in poverty situations is is literally the best I've seen. And what what we what we do there is we're developing, but we're taking the gospel where it doesn't exist. We are always so gospel forward. It's always about the gospel, but we use the development as a tool. So then you're helping them to grow financially. You're feeding people. I love the story. We, you know, one of our uh, partners now is coming back and saying the child brides, they're no longer have child brides. They're starting to educate the girls in their community. They're now feeding in their community. And what was prior to that, uh, very much a Muslim community are now coming to Christ. It just mixes all the best of those worlds. And Mark and his team do an amazing work. So you can go on and check it out. If you want to give to it eventually, you can. But actually just to go on and see the stuff that they're doing is really amazing. Yeah, and yeah. and and I don't mind saying I think the work that our team on the ground does is worthy of support. Amen. Yep. You know, so um, as we wrap up today, so I've got a question for you. You were a pastor for a number of years. So let's think today that there's a pastor listening or someone who's listening who's in a church. Their hearts move toward the poor. What we've talked about today maybe has caused a recalibration of their internal compass. (laughs) What are the next steps to do it and to do it right? Yeah, just to give you a little bit of a testimony there. So so I planted a church. We started with seven people, and it grew to— very large, you know, you know, very large church. When we started the church, before we had a building, I literally had a storefront that we were doing month to month. We we uh, had two outreach vehicles that we got. They were actually ambulances that got donated to us, and then we had to fix them up because you can't just you know roll into it. But we put we used them as places to feed people, mm. and um, and really from the very beginning of our church. Uh, yes, we had people that came in the suburbs and we had wealthy people that came in. And But, you know, I I always felt like uh, David Wilkerson used to say, you can't change, you can't feed everybody, you can't change the whole world, but you can engage with somebody. Right. And I think that this is where the church should be at. I think for individuals in your church, it has a great effect. Uh, we, we had somebody, actually a wealthy person that came to our church and, and he became a member. And so I'm talking to him in our new members class, and he says, Pastor, do you know why we're joining the church? And I said, I'm about to find out. <laughs> so uh, so he says, you know, I walk, one of the first days I walked in, I looked at your little cafe, and you had two people with a cup of coffee. One guy was, like, dressed in a suit. You could tell he was really wealthy, just dressed to the hill. The other guy was a homeless man. And he said the two of them were sitting there talking like they were just best friends. And he said, I'd never seen that in any church before. Mm-hmm. But this is what happens when you start to engage with people in need. Yes, it makes the Heavenly Father happy, and that's what we're most concerned about. Sure. But it helps your people to grow. 
And when you can teach the people that you live with how to engage, listen, first of all, in your community with people, Mm -hmm. and then you start to say, what is the place around the world, whether it's World Challenge or whoever, but I want to engage this church, not just in dealing with the material needs, but the spiritual needs. And if I can mix both of those together, I will tell you, and it's what David Wilkerson was saying to that pastor, when you begin to engage with the needy and the broken and the hurting and the hungry, there's just something that happens with God. And he goes, I am going to bless that church and those people because I see the heart in it. It will make a difference for the kingdom. And I guarantee you as a pastor leader, you start to teach your people that way and lead them that way. It will bless them, it will bless your community, and it will go to the ends of the world, and it will please the heart of our Heavenly Father. So I would encourage at whatever level of leadership or whoever you are, be a part of making a difference in the world that we live in. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's almost like God looks down, sees a church that's concerned for the poor, and says, this is a body that I can trust to send more people to. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. Any final thoughts as we wrap up today's conversation? I I will say this, but, you know, perhaps you've tuned in today and maybe you're dealing with some needs and you're just in a place where, you know, you're going, God, I really need some help. I I would really encourage you to find a good church family Mm -hmm. and get involved with it. The other thing is, is no matter what level you're in, whether you're a pastor leader or you're just a person that attends church, Hey, get involved. Don't just talk about the problems. I am nauseated in our culture with politicians and churches talking about how bad our culture is. You know, and I'm saying this is a, you know, hopefully is a little bit of encouragement. Uh, It's not a rebuke. But stop talking about how bad things are and begin to engage. Uh, You can't change everything, but change somebody Get to know somebody that's in a place of need. It could be a single mom. It could be a homeless person. It could be somebody that's struggling or a young person that just needs some guidance. But when you start to engage that, it will enrich your life in supernatural ways. And it really will be a blessing for others. And then when we talk about the church, I think a lot of people in America look at the church and they go, well, they're really good at pontificating on a stage. But man, we have to get it off of the stage and actually into the lives of the people that are around us in our community and around the world. Um, So I I would just ask you, I I know you probably listen to a lot of podcasts or maybe you don't, maybe you just tripped along this one, but I would really encourage you to take this to heart. Feeding the poor isn't a a John and Mark uh, issue. This is a gospel issue. It's a Christ-centric issue. And when you walk this out, you you really will make a difference in the world that you live in. Yeah. Uh, when I get to heaven, uh, one day I don't know when it is, but I think there's going to be a crowd of people that, that are going, hey, thanks for feeding us. Mm. Thank you for caring. Thank you thank you for helping me to grow through my poverty issues. And I, and I really think that that's really what this life is about. I want to get to the other side and see that there's a whole lot of people that the Holy Spirit helped me to get to the other side. Yeah. I closed with a quote from the um, long dead missionary C.T. Studd, mm. who said, some people want to build chapels within the sounds of church bells. I want to build a rescue mission five feet from the gate of hell. <laughs> that's a great quote. <laughs> you know, and I think that's it. The gospel is needed where it's not. Yep. And 
you know, we don't want to take away from the fact that today we've talked about material poverty. We've talked a little bit about spiritual poverty, but we do want to remind people that there is a poverty that's worse than material poverty. You know, to to not have the gospel, so so to be poor in this world and not have the gospel, that's true poverty. Because you're going to be poor in both worlds, you know, but to be poor in this world and have Jesus, you know, at least you have a hope. That's right. So we want to encourage you today. Thanks for showing up. Thanks for being part of this uh, conversation. We want to welcome you to come back next week when we're going to talk kind of about the flip side of this. We're going to talk about the subject of generosity. I think you'll enjoy the topic. I think you'll learn from it. In the meantime, If you've enjoyed what we've talked about today, we'd ask that you'd share it with your friends, with your colleagues, that you'd make comments, that you'd, you know, like wherever it's at, because we want to get this content out to more and more people. In the meantime, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a great one. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable, and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. If you enjoy listening to John and Mark, you could see both of them in person at the Fire in Our Bones conferences. Their heart is to see your passion for God and your calling rekindled. Check out worldchallenge.org or the show notes for more details. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.